Hi, welcome to the Ellis Fables podcast. I'm Liv. And I'm Sterling. And we're going to answer one of your questions about writing our books or the indie author process. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Ellis Fables or here on Spotify. If you want more writing tips and tricks or information about our latest releases, join our newsletter at ellisfables.com. Today we're going to talk about the rule of cool. How do you balance realism and the cool stuff in your books? Mm, Yeah, and that's a hard one. Um, I think the first thing to say about that is you do have to know what is realism. So let's talk about um, like pirates, for instance. We have a couple books that feature pirates. You have to have enough nautical knowledge to know what would actually be real as far as climbing up a mast or the rope situation. Liv does a lot more of the nautical stuff than I do, so she'll have like body parts of the ship where I will not have those things. Like the foxhole. Yeah, body parts of a ship. (laughs) Bigging. Yeah, Um, so like rule of cool is do you do what's awesome or do do what's realistic? And for me, the general rule of thumb is will this take someone really drastically out of the story if it's too inaccurate? Honestly, that's the line. Yeah. I mean, podcast done. Yep, done. All right. <laughs> See you next year. See you next year after uh, the after the new year. Mm-hmm. But really, the line is where does the rule of cool stop being cool and start affecting the verisimilitude, which is just a big fancy word that means how believable your story is while your reader is reading it. Which means you have to have enough knowledge to know that this is totally out of, like, does not make sense. So I think I've mentioned this in other podcasts before, but, like, I'm a horse girl. I grew up in a barn. I love horses. I've been in the horse world for a really long time. I love dogs, too. But so for me, a lot of times when I'm reading anything to do with people riding, horse like horseback riding with a D, not a W, riding, not writing, mm-hmm. um... Stuff that's just like way off, that'll throw me. Because I'm like, that does not how that's not how horses work. That's not how riding works. Like and so like but I have enough knowledge that it's not right. So I think if you're going to be writing in a certain area that is really specific, martial arts, sword play, warfare, parts of a ship. <laughs> technology. I think sci-fi. Yeah. You have to be you're either doing a space opera which is like magic kind of sci-fi. It's not exactly magic. It's technology, but technology you don't explain. It just sort of works. And the focus isn't on the high-tech sci-fi-y parts of the story, but mm-hmm. on the storyline, like right. the characters. And... Versus if anybody's like listened to or read um, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir or The Martian, also by Andy Weir, the science in that is really good. The science and the math. Yeah, it, it's like um, you should be able to go, this makes sense. Like, yes, this is plausible. Um, so when you're sci-fi, you need your science to be really good. When you're fantasy, you need your, your mystical, your fighting, your romance, your horseback riding, your animal behavior like whatever it is that you're focusing on needs to make sense for the readers which means if it's something you want to write about but you don't have a huge back knowledge that's fine do some research yes so there 
this isn't a cut and dry sort of thing. No, not and, at all. Uh, and this is, there's two reasons why. One, not everything, not every person who reads your book is going to be a horse girl. No, not so, everyone grew up around horses and or no. will understand math and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so <laughs> understand math. <laughs> <laughs> who does that? Really? Who understands math? No one. No one. It's impossible. But you want to keep the majority of people who are reading your story in your story. So one way that you can do this without researching every possible part of the story, you research parts of your story that are very important to your story. Such as, we'll do the pirate ship. Mm -hmm. You know all the parts of a ship you know the basics of how a knot is tied or how holy stoning a deck actually works. So at some point, your character has to do one of these things and you write it accurately. Mm -hmm. Then later, when your same character has to um, fight with a squadron of archers, Mm-hmm. And you don't go into detail about how the archers are, sh- like, shooting arrows. People are going to believe that... On the ship specifically. Or, no, not necessarily. Mm. People are going to believe that what's happening with the archers works, or what's happening with the sword play on the pirate ship works, because you've created a believable world through other details. Yeah, it's almost like giving yourself some authority. Yes. I know a lot about scrubbing the deck and why we do it, and this is how we do it. Therefore, when I'm telling you that this epic sword flight happens and it works, (laughs) it works. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not a direct, like, I told you this thing, so now you have to believe me on this thing. It's like you establish your authority in the world Mm -hmm. and on the subjects you're writing on Mm -hmm. throughout the course of the book. And then you don't have to explain everything because you've already already established your authority on this on the subject where you're writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's a trick we use. Mm. I didn't know we were using it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just do things. It's like Iniabi, her first days on the pirate ship. Yeah. Uh, she has to holy stone the deck. There's a whole scene mm-hmm. where it's explained. Right. And then you believe that she knows what she's talking about when she has to tie knots for the rigging or something like that. Right. You know, um, we, you choose, you can't explain everything in your story. No. But explaining things, the things you do explain well and, and in a realistic way really helps the verisimilitude of your story. Yeah. I have another... I'm going to let you reply to that, and then I have another tangent. Is it related to the topic yes, at all? Yes, it's on the topic. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's a really good one. And and the other thing is um, we have a resident expert that we reference to. So sometimes, especially with, like, historical novels, like historical fiction and stuff, you'll see, like, a acknowledgments page and the author will be like thank you so much for professor blah 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 at the university of so-and-so for helping me research the Mm -hmm. cultural behavior patterns of um pilgrims in you know 
the 1600s or whatever. And it's like, if you are not an expert and you are not in a position to do the amount of study you believe necessary to be, to do, to do a good job with your thing, you can reach out to a knowledgeable source. Yes. So we've talked about him a bunch of times on this podcast because he's literally so amazing, Mm -hmm. but Egyptologist, nurse, and historian. Yes. Franz. Freakishly knowledgeable person. (laughs) Is often our first sounding board, especially for military things, Mm -hmm. fighting things. Historical. Historical. Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs, yeah. And having him read our work, which we're so grateful that he he really is into, mm-hmm. <laughs> it has helped our stories be more accurate. Right. And we're now reaching out to him often before we even write. And we're like, hey, this is how we want to do a fight scene. We want to have a war. We want to have an army. We're doing this and that. What are some resources or what are some ways that this would be realistic? And then he'll point us in a new direction or just point up, like straight up tell us this is what's realistic and this is what's not. Yeah, send videos. Um, yeah, he, he has a huge resource of, like, historical video reenactment. Like, all kinds of stuff. Lots of stuff. This is how you would actually kill this person with this certain yeah, sword. Yeah, it's and, not realistic yeah. to kill them that way with that sword. And then we have to decide whether or not we're keeping the sword or changing it. So you can always reference an expert. Yes. Recently, I read a book called Barnate by Devil and Unferth, I believe that's how you say her name. Mm-hmm. And it's a really excellent novel that takes place on chicken farms. Mm. Yeah. A couple of very brave women and their friends try to steal like a million a million chickens. <laughs> so in the back of her novel Spoiler alert. <laughs> and that's what's on the back of the book. Alright. <laughs> so when in at the end of her novel uh, and the acknowledgments, it's like, thank you so much to these people who helped me get um, an insider's view of a chicken farm. Thank mm-hmm. you for this farm for letting me come. Thank mm-hmm. you for this expert for letting, for talking to me about it and stuff like that. So same deal. Even when you're writing real world current stuff, mm-hmm. um, it helps do your research. Yeah. That being said, you have your cadre of researchers or experts that you rely on or one really awesome Franz Mm -hmm. or um, some researching skills and a internet connection to Google Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can always decide not to do it you can always decide that it would be cooler if X happened than the more realistic Y Mm mm-hmm and there are a couple ta- places where this is most appropriate. Sex scenes. <laughs> Sterling. No, sorry. Um, Actually, I'm going to defend myself on that one. Definitely true. People are like, this would be epic. And I'm like, that would be messy and not fun. So aren't you saying that it pushes you out of the story? Yes. Oh, darn. <laughs> so, sex scenes, sex scenes is not one you should be no, in. No, you should not do it. Don't do it in your sex scenes. Okay, I'm not talking about sex scenes. All right. The first thing I'm going to talk about is genre. Okay, well, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to be involved in the conversation, but I'll just want to... No, you can talk. No, no, it's fine. 
Oh my gosh. Genre. Rule of cool is much easier to get away with, I think, in sci-fi and fantasy. These readers, they're in for a bit of awe factor. Yeah. Oh, wow. This this world, this people, the this technology, this magic. Mm-hmm. Those things are not realistic things, but we love reading about them anyway. Mm-hmm. So when you've got really cool things in your really cool fantasy or sci-fi novel, the re- the way you keep those from kicking the reader out is to ensure that they obey the rules of the world you're writing in. Right, like magic, which we've talked about. Yeah, so you establish rules in that world. And you follow them. Yes. Contradicting yourself is a really easy way to throw people out of the story to mm-hmm. ruin this verisimilitude. But so long as you've established these rules and you've followed them and thus allowed for the suspension of belief that you need for people to come in and believe for even a little while that this is real, Mm -hmm. then you can be as cool as you want. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It also helps to sprinkle in the realistic a bit of realism when you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I keep going back to boats, but... <laughs> it's what we started with. We're um, sword fighting or... Right now, I'm reading a book about a fantasy world where there's a lot of airships. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a super fantasy world, and they're, like, on the edge of space, and somehow it all works out. But, you know, you... Talk about rigging, and somehow I believe it, <laughs> even for a little bit. Yeah, there's ropes. I get it. Yeah. Or you talk about, you have the characters talk about needing parts for the engine. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, somehow so mundane and so believable to need to go to the repair shop that I can then suspend my belief that this awesome airship works at all. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that the, your genres where cool rule reality versus this is awesome, that needs to be considered really carefully or like historical mm-hmm. fiction. Like, yes, it's fiction, but the people who are reading that want to be in medieval France. Yeah. You know, like they want the historical part that's important to them. Otherwise, they would just read fantasy. Yes. And maybe even urban fantasy because you want it to feel like our world. Like, this could be real. Yes. That being said, like, historical fantasy, Mm -hmm. it's still a type of fantasy, but same thing. Yeah. Right now I'm listening to um, His Majesty's Dragon. Actually, I'm listening to Throne of Jade, the second book in the series by Naomi Novik. It's the Temeraire series. Uh It's a series of books set in the Napoleonic Wars Mm -hmm. in which all the sides have aerial cores comprised of dragons. As one does. As one does. So the the thing that makes this believable is that all the beliefs and like societal standards of the time are still present. Mm -hmm. Even down to like characterizations and the clothes people wear and yeah all those details are still accurate 
you, there's just also dragons. <laughs> right. Right. And I think that's called an alternative telling, specifically. Hmm. Is, like, she's taking an event that was real, the Napoleonic Wars, and just putting, and there are dragons. She's not retelling all this stuff. I assume the results are still the same as far as, like, who won what battles and so on and so forth. I don't know enough about the Napoleonic Wars Ah. to tell you how accurate who won what battles are. But um, Spoiler, Napoleon didn't. Napoleon loses the war, (laughs) yes. (laughs) I don't want to ruin it for you. In, like, book nine, though, so. Yeah. So, kind of to summarize... The rule of cool is when you read it or you ask a beta reader or an alpha reader, probably an alpha reader, to read it, are they going awesome or huh? Yeah. it's If it's awesome, they're into it, and it doesn't break from the story, then you're great. Keep it in there. But if it stops your reader from believing what you're telling them, then you might need to change. Yeah, and you can always kind of decide. The research aspect is for you to understand how completely off base you might be. Yeah. If if you don't know a lot about horses, then you might think it is realistic to just, like, leave a horse in a field and hope that it'll still be there when you come back without tying it to anything. Or, like, you know, like, yeah, that'll work out. It's like a dog. If I call, it'll come back, right? And I'm like... I know that Gandalf does this, but my experience with horses is if you call, they don't necessarily come back. <laughs> well, Shadowfax is a special horse. Okay, well, I don't remember. Like, we're not trying to, I'm not trying to put things down on Gandalf here. Um, so it's like you need to have enough understanding to understand how much you're asking your readers to, like, suspend reality. Yeah, I think that's good. And you can do that either through your own research or through, like, referencing an expert. I don't think I've talked about this a lot on this podcast, but my background is in classical music. Mm. I took uh, composition lessons for many years. And one of the things that was pressed on me the most in these lessons about composing music is that if you... You need a lot of piccolo. No. No? Oh, if, that's fine. I'm going with this. If you put something out of ordinary in the piece of music you're composing, and you do it because you don't know that it shouldn't be there, mm-hmm. then you've made a mistake. But if you do it because you're looking for a particular effect, or you're exploring something new, then it's art. Ah, and that makes sense. It makes sense to you? Yeah, yeah. So the thing with putting something in your book, if you don't realize that horses don't just stay in a field where you leave them, mm-hmm. and you make it sound like that's just what they do, then it's a mistake. And if you create a very special horse named Shadowfax who's bonded with Gandalf and always comes when he really... Uh, needs him, mm-hmm. then it's rule of cool. Ah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. Because you know you're breaking a rule. Yeah, you know you're breaking the rule, and you're providing a reason, and it makes sense in your world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, do you think you have anything else to add to rule of cool and reality and readers and stuff like that? No, I think I think that's most of it. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. We don't want you don't want your book to be like a super super real reality dose because like even reality TV isn't real. Like yeah. there's a reason why we're reading or listening. Yeah. And we want a break from reality. <laughs> who wants to read a technical novel on holy stoning pirate ship decks? <laughs> you know, I can think of some people, um, but they're historians. Yeah, they're not uh, fancy. Yeah, alcoholics. you have to realize that your readers are wanting to be wowed, but they don't want to be thrust out of the story. Annoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Don't annoy your readers. <laughs> unless it's for a really good reason <laughs> yeah all right well then uh, you can always follow us on instagram at ellis fables or join our newsletter at ellisfables.com and please keep following our podcast and uh, we will see everybody or not really see them speak to them in 2023